It's time to get into Wellness Wednesday with our friend Michael Royson, Dr. Michael Royson, to the world, the guy behind the longevityplaybook.com website, where you should go to learn how you can make yourself a genetic engineer and, and live younger and live longer and all that good stuff. Dr. Royson coming to us from the Cleveland Clinic, of course, and always sharing great information, Dr. Royson. I am so thankful you are here, my friend. It is always my privilege to be here. I enjoy uh, talking with you and your listeners. Well, I get great response from all the information you share, and then uh, some of them question whether or not I'm actually serious with some of the idiotic questions I raise with you, and this week is no different. I have a new idiotic question for you before you get into the research, if you're ready. I'm ready. Sock it to me. All right. That that vaunted medical journal, People Magazine, had a report this week that links nose picking to dementia, saying that a certain protein that's believed to cause dementia uh, is uh, in the nasal cavity and picking your nose might spur on uh, dementia. How can this even be true, doctor? Well, what they're saying is that infections starting in your nose travel up the olfactory nerve. The olfactory nerve goes through your cribriform plate. There still is a blood-brain barrier, and I'll explain that in a second, but gets into your brain because it travels directly and then starts low-grade infections, which you have an inflammatory response and this may be, in other words, it may be that beta amyloid is in response to that infection and inflammatory response, and that that's the source of it. That was what the science is. The data on this is that we know that Parkinson's disease often is related to a virus coming up that olfactory nerve. That is Parkinson's disease, the major advent of it in the 50s and 60s was secondary to um, the flu, the Spanish flu in 1917 to 19. We worry now that long COVID and COVID nasal infections, that rhinorrhea, the nasal problem and the taste problem and smell problem from COVID goes, the virus particles are seen going up that olfactory nerve and into the basal ganglia as well. And we worry that 20 or 30 years down the road, that will be associated with a burst of Parkinson's. So this, the, the olfactory nerve seems to be a way that viruses from the nose can travel into the brain and cause inflammation. And we know that inflammation in the brain is one of the major sources of dementia. Hmm. So is the story correct? Yes. Now, there's some other things. Remember I said there's a blood-brain barrier. There's a special barrier that stops infections and other things from getting into the brain. That's broken down by, for example, coconut oil breaks down that barrier. So we don't want to have you have coconut oil. But there are a lot of other things that break down the barrier, and the barrier becomes less effective with age. Turns out 
when you exercise hard, you produce a protein, a essentially something that repairs your blood-brain barrier, that makes it better and returns it to its useful protection. Hmm. It's called it's called GPLD1. No reason for you to remember it, but if you want to trick at the cocktail party, say, what protein do you stimulate when you exercise that helps repair your brain's blood-brain barrier, and it's GPLD1, um, and that's the amazing thing. The body has a set of repair systems that will repair you if you take care of yourself. It's all part of that genetic engineering we talk about at longevityplaybook.com. So we've now learned three things that happen when you stimulate a muscle. For example, when you do weightlifting, you tear the muscle a little. You stimulate a gene that turns on repairing that muscle so the muscle gets stronger. You also turn on a gene called that makes a risen that goes to your blood-brain barrier and makes your hippocampus, your memory center, better. It's part of brain, it's part of muscle memory. And third, you stimulate this gene, uh, and it was just discovered about uh, three months ago, that repairs your blood-brain barrier and keeps infections and other things out of your brain. Wow. Wow, that's uh, three great bonuses right there, right off the bat from Dr. Royson. And if you're going to a Super Bowl party this weekend... That was the GPLD1. That's the protein, Doc, that is stimulated when you exercise and protects and rebuilds your blood-brain barrier? You got it. All right, trivia question at the Super Bowl parties. You might be thrown out of a party if you start asking nerdy questions like that, Dr. Royston. I'm just saying, but it's GPLD1. Well, when you see one of the players do something extraordinary, such as Kelsey catch a pass that he said where he's really stimulating his muscles or he's panting like crazy at the end of the play, you can say he's repairing his blood-brain barrier. And it's a good thing because he's taken so many hits, he needs to have a good blood-brain barrier. Or if somebody's bringing in a fresh keg and lifting in that big keg and really straining, you can say... (laughs) They're rebuilding their blood-brain barrier right there with the GPLD1, right? That's right. I think we've beaten this uh, protein to death right now. Yes, we have. Let's get to the research this week. There's so much great research, and a couple of these things really caught my attention. For example, adults who cite difficulty in walking are facing a higher fracture risk. Uh, is is that just due to the, the balance issue, or is this an indicator of something else? We really don't know, meaning we think it's an indicator of something else. But it may be balance. It may be that they stumble when they're walking, etc. But if you say, I have a little problem with walking, you have about a threefold increase of having a fracture in the next five years Hmm. if you say i have a lot of problems it's a 16-fold increase so maintaining your walking and even walking with a cane walking with a walker keeping walking is a key thing to protecting your bones 
Now, the next thing is the next story, which really goes along with it, Michael. And so I'm taking your prerogative and introducing the next story, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Is that if you do get a fracture, there's a 33 increase in your risk of death in the next month. So huge. So the key thing is, what does that mean for you? It is keep walking now and then practice. Remember I said go into the corner, tighten up, and stand on one foot for one minute each day and the other foot for another minute each day. And then when you can do it for a full minute with your eyes open, start doing trying to do it with your eyes closed. The reason to do it in a corner is so you fall into a wall, not fall and hurt yourself. And then the second thing is take a learn to fall class. Most of the injuries are because of immobility after the fall. So you've got to learn to tuck and roll when you fall so you don't break a bone. And that goes with the other thing you should do is jumping because 40 jumps a day, 20 in the morning, 20 in the evening, strengthen your hip bones and strengthen your spine bones and discs. It's the only thing we know that really strengthens it. A lot of things maintain it, but such as weight training. But jumping, actually, again, remember we said you injure. So when you injure yourself with a little jump, you cause a mini fracture in your bone. It turns on a repair system that repairs your bone and discs stronger than they were, just like lifting weights does for your muscles. And so you have a repair system that makes your bones stronger. And that's those are the things to do to protect your bones. Now, I, I appreciate the jumping and the walking and the standing and, and making sure your balance is strong, your balance is solid. But does trampoline jumping count or do you have to be on a hard surface? Hard surface and trampoline jumping is a cause of injury because people get these small trampolines. They jump in an irregular way. They hit the side, they fall, and they hurt their heads because they haven't learned how to tuck and roll. Hmm. No, trampoline jumping, it has to be on a hard surface. Okay, hard surfaces. So go outside and jump up and down 20 times in the morning, in the afternoon, and then go for I do it in the garage when I get in the car in the morning really? and when I come home in the evening. Very so cool. So you do it in your garage right next to your door. That's a convenient way to say, okay, I can do it. Excellent information. Doc? During the pandemic, we heard about treatment using monoclonal antibodies, and I, I heard it from many people, monoclonal antibodies, but now there's a report that they might be harmful to uh, Alzheimer's patients? Well, this is not those monoclonal antibodies. These are the monoclonal antibodies that were specifically designed to remove amyloid, beta amyloid, and tau proteins from the brain. So Biogen and Eli Lilly got an approval for their monoclonal antibody treatments, and we knew they caused some brain edema and some brain bleeding. And the, in the studies, it looked like, and that's why they got approved, that the benefit was substantially greater than the risk. And the Alzheimer's Association was so... Um, insist that we need something, we need something, anything. Well, it turns out in now 19 studies that the FDA made them do after 
the marketing and Medicare made them do to get funded. These are 70,000 a year drugs with the studies that were required on brain health. It was a minimum of 100,000 hours a year for Medicare. And Medicare said, if we release these and every Alzheimer's patient gets them, it will literally double the cost of Medicare and break the system. So they made them do studies. You could only get these drugs if you participated in one of these studies. 19 studies, I think it was, 18 or 19. I may be mistaken. It may have been 18. And what they found was there was more harm from these drugs than benefit. The patients didn't live longer. They didn't live with a higher quality of life. They, in fact, had more risk from these drugs than benefit. So, in fact, Biogen has now stopped the drug being sold. And I think Eli Lilly's drug is still being sold. But I would say that these are not beneficial. We know a whole bunch of things are beneficial for Alzheimer's. You know, early Alzheimer's, therapeutic plasma exchange, donating blood, just donating blood once a month should help. In the therapeutic plasma exchange trials called AMBAR, A-M-B-A-R, someone wants to Google it, the randomized control trial showed a definite benefit, improvement in cognitive function reversal of early Alzheimer's compared to the control patients who went downhill. So we know a whole bunch of things. Again, in the book, The Great Age Reboot, we list 40 things you can do for your brain to protect it. I do almost every one of them a day. Some of them are simple. Four smells, smell of coffee, the smell of alcohol, the smell of Clorox, whatever. Four smells a day, the smell of tomatoes. Four smells a day intentionally done decreases it. Again, we think that is stimulating that olfactory nerve that we talked about at the beginning, which goes through your nose into the brain stem. That's amazing. And it's simple and common sense. And that's why I'm constantly recommending things like the book, The Great Age Reboot and LongevityPlaybook.com. Dr. Roizen's connected to these. Of course, he wrote the book and he's behind the website, and it's all about living better, living longer, living younger. Doc, before we get out of here, we're still in the early stages of the month of February and getting some good weather in the Northeast and getting out in the sunlight, but we're not getting the vitamin D yet, are we? No, the sun doesn't have enough energy until about April 15th in a line between Los Angeles and Atlanta, north of there. Um, so any place north of there, the sun doesn't have enough energy between October 15th and April 15th to convert inactive to active vitamin D in your skin. Mm. So you may get a little suntan or even sunburn, but it doesn't have enough energy to convert the vitamin D. You need the vitamin D supplements. It's one of the things I take every day year round. So you can still go out there, people. You can still do your 20 jumps and walk for 20 minutes or more, but you're not getting the vitamin D until tax time. Dr. Michael Roizen, it is always a great education and very enjoyable, my friend. I cannot wait to talk to you the next time. Follow Dr. Roizen on Twitter X. It's great stuff. Dr. Mike Roizen on, on Twitter and then hang out with us and we'll, we'll make you smarter, younger, healthier. You have to do the work, but we'll help. Michael, let me just say, sign up for the actual age test at Longevity Playbook. It's free, or sign up for the newsletter once a week. The most important things in longevity and what it means to you, 
a little summary of what you can do that's easy, such as the four smells a day. Michael, and the other thing, next week, let's talk about the cervical cancer and the breast cancer study that was in this week because it's so important and I want to do it next week, if not, since we didn't get to it this week. Absolutely. Top of the list. Top of the list, Dr. Michael Royson. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.